this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. Hey, this is Chris Mack. Welcome you to episode 115 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal, airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, and Google Play, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Shred Shack and youtube.com slash Temblum. Let's get started with some old business, and I don't have enough battery power to do this, so old business is old business and new business is new business. And according to the blast, Scott Weiland's widow will not be able to collect the money she claimed that the Stone Temple Pilot singer owed her before he passed away. More than three years ago, photographer Jamie Watchell Weiland followed a claim against Scott's estate, saying he owed her $64,406. A very specific amount. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Jamie said she and Scott signed a prenuptial agreement before their 2013 wedding, which provided that the musician would pay or would put $2,000 into a separate account each month that they were married with the provision that the amount would increase by 7% annually. But, Jamie says, Scott had only made two deposits by the time he died in December of 2015. TMZ said that the document was cut and dried, stating what was his before the marriage remained his and vice versa. In addition... Agreement waived Jamie's right to spousal support. According to court documents obtained by the blast, Jamie Wyland's creditors' claim against the estate was just denied. Scott Wyland's second wife, Mary Forsberg, who was also the head of the estate, had previously argued that Jamie did not follow the paperwork properly and her claim had time had lapsed. Just a lot more BS over over dead people's money. Fucking a. Fortunately enough, I'm not, I'm going to die poor, and um, you know I don't plan on getting married again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just hearing this stuff afterwards is so terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a bury me face down so you can kiss my ass kind of thing. Right. And Scott Wallace probably up there like, man, did I did I get out when I could? I said, bitch. <laughs> He's still looking around though <laughs> before he said it. <laughs> I looked her into the windows of her, her soul. soul, and I said, bitch. I don't know why, but that recently came across like that that particular clip came across in my uh, my newsfeed on Facebook. Not because a friend posted, but it's like an advertising for like Comedy Central or something like that. And I thought, and I just been thinking about that ever since. It's hilarious. It's, 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 yeah, it's hysterical. I think it was like the first episode too. Really? Yeah, I think so. I, I haven't watched much of that, but like the things I've seen of it are hilarious. Like that one, of course, the AA Ron is just just too fucking classic. Yeah. D nice. <laughs> Say it right. They <laughs> go up to mom like that. <laughs> Then fucked up Aaron. <laughs> All right, so let's I can move. read Aaron. <laughs> so let's move on to new business. Um, and, and and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. It's next quarter. Totally next quarter. Actually, is it? 
it's getting close to next quarter. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, 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 I saw a post earlier today that said, um, yeah, this year has went January, February, March, May, June, July, August. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that sums up the whole year so far. Yeah. All right, so with new business, we typically talk about new album releases. Oh, my God, my computer just took a shit. Uh, that sucks. Okay, there you go. Wow, and, that was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and with new releases, we talk with new business. We talk about new releases, and you said you have one. One, and of course, it is the new album by Volbeat. That did that just come out, or is that that? It came out, I believe, two weeks ago. Um, I, yeah, I think so. So, like, right after we did it, our, our right? Last yeah, one. pretty much exactly. Like, what's gonna happen? The what's gonna happen on our next podcast is that today. It, the new Slipknot is getting released. Oh, of right. course, I pre-ordered, right. so that's going to be at the apartment sometime today. And then next week is the new Killswitch Engage. So we're usually a little bit behind on the new releases because of you know, the way we record these things, yeah. especially because it's it's Friday morning. Yeah, it's it's new release day as we record this. All right, so the new Volbeat record, and I think anyone who's been a fan of the Shred Shack radio show, the Red Shred Shack podcast, know that we love us some Volbeat on this one. And this album doesn't change anything about that. They are, it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're beyond, they're, they're to the point of, like, it's catchy for absolutely no fucking reason, but it's so goddamn catchy. And it has no business being that, that it just has no business being that catchy. It's just so good. Um, you hear that, Volby? You have no business being so good. You have no business being so good. Like, why are you so good? Why is this a thing? But they are—they are. It's just an—it's just another really, really good record in their catalog. I—I I can't stress enough how good this record is. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know. That I think they've gone more to like the anthemic side. Like, they, there's definitely a lot of stuff on here that you can just see a, a big crowd singing. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be have been like their their stick for a little while now. Um, I think I read one article, one review said that like you know they they get he- they get grandfathered in to the heavy metal scene because of their their sound in the past it was a little bit heavier. But I don't think there's anything like lighthearted about their sound. There's no reason that they can't be considered heavy metal. They just you know, God forbid they're melodic and nice like Bob Rock said about Metallica back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so much fun to listen to them play and it's just also just hilarious to listen to Michael Paulson sing sometimes just because <laughs> what the fuck did you just say <laughs> and it's not like it's not like the cookie monster vocal what did he's like dude what the fuck is going on yeah I, I think uh, I think what's his name uh, Pat made, made that joke in his last, in his review of um, which album did he review Outlaw, gentlemen, shoot. Yeah, he 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 did he did the um the, the oh take a shot every time you can't understand a word. <laughs> no, he, like he 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 writes down what he thinks he said, and then he writes down the actual lyrics. And he's like, oh, <laughs> wow, I got that wrong completely. Yeah, it's they they are they're just a lot of fun. I I highly recommend everybody checking out Volbeat. I mean, this is this is probably the one that wants to kind of get into them with you know because it's it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Um. Where it lands in the charts anywhere, it was relatively high, even in the top 200. Um, so, 
again, just a really, really fun record. I highly recommend everyone check it out. Yeah. Um, I started to um, watch um, the new Blu-ray from Sound of, Sound of Thunder. I saw that downstairs. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I, I've only really watched like like two three tracks from it so far, uh, but it is good so far. Um, the set list. I I mean I'm not as familiar with with their catalog as I should be at this point, but their set list doesn't look too bad, and uh, it came out around the same time as um, as they were working on uh, Who Do You Think We Are, um, which is their cover their album. Cover album, yeah. So they they do like three covers on there. Oh, cool. Which is Who Do You Think We Are? They do Icarus Born on Wings of Steel and Pleasure Slave. Um, a couple songs from Tales from the Dead Side, which is the album that got me into them in the first place. Um, but uh, I tried to listen to the CD this morning in my car, and for some reason the CD would, wouldn't play in my car. Ooh. So I don't know what's up with that's that. That's a bummer. Yeah, so I don't know what's up with that. That's why it's, that's why it's down there, because I, I swapped it out for my iP- uh, iPod this uh-huh. morning. So... Um, but what I've watched of the Blu-ray so far has been pretty cool. That's awesome. So, and, and for having missed my one opportunity thus far to see them live, um, you know, this is, this is going to be kind of like a, uh, what's the, what's the word? Consolation prize. Consolation prize, yeah. Yeah, because they, they did come around the day that King Diamond came around, so... When, when we saw King, when we saw King Diamond, they were in town too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like uh, I would have gone to see Sound of Thunder if we didn't see King of Diamond. <laughs> King of Diamond. King of Diamond. King, King of, of Diamond. Diamond. I, it's morning. Leave me alone. Okay. So, uh, what else have we been listening to this week? Well, it's a good thing that you say we because we are now. Both contributing to the Shred Shack hashtag albums of the day on the Instagram account. Yeah, now that I, I, I put my iPod in the car. So, let's just go through what we have been <laughs> listening to. Yeah. Alright, so we got the new record from Soilwork. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because it's definitely in Swedish. I think it's Verkleiden. Oh, yeah. Now that you say it. It looks a lot easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Verk Lighten. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Okay. So we got to that one, and then um, The Offering, Home. Yeah, that, that one was a, was a nice little surprise from uh, Skateboard Marketing. Um, we got Biomechanical, The Empires of the Worlds, and... Um, Winter Calling. Winter Calling Faces. Yeah, Winter Calling I love. So. Mierker. Her uh, second album, and Raven Black, Seven Sins. Yeah. Majesty of Revival, Timeless. Yeah, that one to you. Yep, and Wasp, Golgotha. Golgotha. I remember that one being really good. Yeah, that's a that's a great album. Like like it it, it makes you want to listen to more Wasp. Like I've I've from Pat I heard that they suck, but you know that's that's his opinion. <laughs> um. I really like that album, and I want to hear more from Wasp. So, 
Then we add some Dream Theory, Distance Over Time, and 4 by Fate, Relentless. Yeah, 4 by Fate I've had for a while and just never listened to. Evergrey, The Atlantic, and Avenged Sevenfold, self-titled. Yeah, I, I, in listening to this, the Avenged Sevenfold album, I like it less now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like for some reason, like I, I was listening to it, I was like, hmm, it's just, it's kind of meh. It's kind of not good. Like, I have to go back and listen to them if I really want to. But, like, I, the only thing I remember being very disappointed about was the stage and Hail to the King. Hail to the King I like to an extent, but... Mm. Um, mm. I mean, like, I, they're, 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 they're very hit or miss. Their tracks are either, like, really good or just kind of bland. Yeah, I think that was the problem with the stage, that it was an entire album of bland. Yeah. All right, continuing on, we have Blaze Bailey. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, he did this, uh, you listen to The Infinite Entanglement Part 3, The Redemption of William Black. Yep. And uh, the new record by Volbeat. Rewind, yep. Replay, Rebound, by the way, that's the name of the album. Uh, I just like the cover because it looks like the little kids like dressed up like the guys from Peaky Blinders. <laughs> no. Anyway, we got Hidden Laps, Butterflies, and Bathory. Yeah. Which one is this one? Nordland 2. Nordland it's, 2. It's the only Bathory album I have. <laughs> I need to get, like, like you know, the debut and, and you know, the, 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 the legitimate classic ones. True. Me too. Yeah. Next up, we got Arion, The Theory of Everything. And Dreams and Fragments, Reflections of a Nightmare. That's yeah. a really good one. Uh, for They're from Italy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're into like early Epica, mm-hmm. that's what these guys sound like. It's really good. You know, strange thing. Uh, I'm not sure what it is about that post in particular, but that got the most likes that we've had in a long time. 27 people liked it on Instagram. Yeah, and I'm not sure what that was about. Probably about Arion. Well, well, I don't know, cause, because it could have been a, a, a share kind of thing. Um, but Oh, well, Skateboard Marketing liked it, because I think this came, might have come from Skateboard. But also the, the band themselves liked it, too. Yeah. So, But either True. way, either way like I, I, that one surprised me, but... Arion album's amazing, so... Of course, that's, I love that one, too. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Egg Guy, Hellfire Club, and Death Angel, Humanicide. Yeah. That album was one of the staples of my college years. Hellfire Club. Okay. And last but not least here, this is from yesterday, we have Ghost Prequel and The War Within by Shadows Fall. Yeah, I made the mistake of listening to Dance Macabre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. You, and you know what's the funniest fucking thing is that if it, if you didn't pick that record, I was gonna pick that record <laughs> yesterday. No shit. <laughs> that was yeah. I had this very strong feeling that you were gonna be like, like I was gonna say that album, and you were gonna be like, dude, I was gonna pick that album. <laughs> so so yeah. Yeah, that that's what the brothers Mac have been listening to. For albums of the day, you can check that out every day, just about on our Instagram account and on Facebook and on Twitter and on Twitter. Yes, yeah, it covers all bases. 
actually, I, I, I finally, I actually t tweeted something not, like, not, um, not related to what we've been listening to mm -hmm. uh, yes yesterday for like, for like the first time in months because I went on to um, Century Media or uh, CM Distro uh -huh. and I went to their their bargain bin and dude Ooh. I was like I was first of all um, Adrenaline Mob We the People the one album I don't have from them six fifty um, Napalm Death. Uh, Apex Predator, Easy Meat, the last album that they did, the one that they toured on when we saw them live, oh, five bucks. Nice. And um, Z2 by Devin Townsend, the uh, deluxe edition with the third disc of raw versions, yes. ten bucks. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I and I pre-ordered the new Lacuna Coil album. So I was I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just tweeted that I bought all that shit. Yeah, I got some. I got some uh, new releases already lined up for pre-order. Like you said, the uh, like I mentioned before, Slipknot will be arriving today. I got the new Killswitch Engage lined up for next week. Yeah, the new Tool record, which we'll talk about later, because I was very surprised by the price. Well, I'll, I'll talk. We'll talk about that in a little bit, and definitely pre-ordered the new uh, Opeth. Uh, mm -hmm. the deluxe version or the version with is going to have both CDs the one that's in English and the one that's in Swedish yeah and I also pre-ordered because it's finally available for pre-order the new Blind Guardian record with the uh, orchestra yeah so I, I, I've been seeing stuff about that so for the longest time it wasn't available for pre-order it wasn't on like at least through Amazon because I got everything through Amazon yeah. but um, it just wasn't available I guess for whatever reason mm. so yeah I finally got that I have to go uh, through the list of new releases and um, see if there's anything else I want to pick up I think probably that Lacuna Coil record like you mentioned yeah that's October so that's you yeah I got some time for that yeah. but I just yeah, might as well while we're here you know I got queued up uh, let's see the Slipknot one kind of snuck up on me you got corn. If you're still into corn, they got a new album out in September. The last one wasn't too bad. I want to see what they. I don't think I've picked up anything since like um, Probably, like, what uh, three? I haven't heard three. Um, I, I haven't picked up a corn record. Let's just say in ten years. Yeah. In uh, ten years. I, I was gonna. I was gonna say I haven't. I haven't listened. Like sat down and listened to anything from corn since the Untouchables. Which wow, is, that's which, a long time which, which is about 15 years ago. I, was say, almost, like, that's I, I have, I have more. I, I, I've bought more of their stuff. I just haven't really, really sat and listened to it. Well, on September 20th, we have the Agonist new album, and also the new album from uh, As I Lay Dying. If people are into that, mm. uh, same day you got Cobra and the Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. All but right. That's, that's that's kind of that's. That's a, a lot because like they just they just released a, a double album. Didn't Is that they? right? Yeah, they just released like two albums back to back. Oh, at least they're being prolific. That's fun. Yeah. Um, the following week is a pretty good one because we got Borknagar, which mm -hmm. I'll probably uh, pre-order. Dragon Force, hell yeah, KMFDM. 
I uh, hope more. KMFDM. They they tend to release Ren. I'm wondering if it's a new album or it's gonna be like a remix uh, thing. I don't know. It says Paradise. That's the name of the album. So I'm not sure what it is. That, that might just be a. But uh, on the same day, you also Opeth, Steel Panther, and Wednesday Thirteen all coming out on the same day. Mm-hmm. October we we've talked about. We got Insomnium. The last record was really good, so I'll probably end up looking at that. Uh, the Darkness. Oh, The Darkness. Yep. Uh, Halloween's re- releasing the United Alive live album. Uh, we got Baby Metal. Their new record's coming out. Lacuna Coils on the same day. Um, 1349. Uh, Alter Bridge. 25th of uh, October is Alceste and Eden Bridge. Norma Jean, fit for an autopsy. And November, of course, we have Blind Guardian. And in there, in that month somewhere, we also have Cow Decapitation and uh, uh, Quiet Riot. I don't know where. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, wonder who, I wonder who's singing for them now. Who the hell cares? And then you probably got to wonder if it's like a different version of it or so I don't someone's Quiet Riot. Yeah. Frank, Frankie Valley's or Frankie Benali's Quiet Riot. But yeah. dude, you're the drummer. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but what else have you, have you been listening to? Fucking Dio. Yes. Yeah, Fucking, I listened to his entire discography this week, getting ready for our 10-word review, which I'm ready to do, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It is a good discography, I'll say that. For the most part. For the most part. For the most part. Yeah. I would just say percentage-wise, we're looking at, like, you know, Anywhere between eighty-five and ninety percent good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's only one album that I was really kind of like not feeling this. Yeah, I think I think that were, I think it's on the same album that you weren't feeling it. Yeah, but um, yeah. Anyway, let's <laughs> yeah, move fair. along to um, well, we. Uh, Please tell me we have no obituaries. No obituaries. Okay, because there's none on there's none listed on here. But la- every time I sit here, yeah, and say, yeah. As far as I know, there is no obituaries. Okay. That's... However, actually, we're... actually, uh, non-related to heavy metal, but um, the passing of Harley Race from WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away earlier uh, earlier the last last I think, week. I think it was this week. Early, early week? this week or late last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he he passed away at seventy six, so non 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 related to metal, but related to to, to wrestling, which which is always a <laughs> a topic of conversation. Uh, uh, yeah, for us especially. It's funny because um, we ever since uh, that what was it, WrestleMania thirty two where we watched the Undertaker's quote unquote last match. Yeah, and they've been talking about him retiring. I recently read that he signed something, not necessarily a lifetime contract. But pretty much the contract is so long that he will probably die under contract with the WWE. Which is fine. Which is perfectly fine. I've always envisioned him becoming, like, I don't know if they still do general managers or not, but I always envisioned him being a general manager. They, they took those away and they, they put the McMahons in charge of everything. Like, they, they did away with them and they had them running the show. Um, and now it's... Behind the scenes, Paul Heyman runs. Right, Robert right, right, right. And Eric Bischoff. But runs. But they're still Smack. characters on the show. 
No, not necessarily. Oh. Although, like, Paul Hammond, like, because he's, he's, he's still the advocate for as, Brock as the, Lesnar. As the advocate for Brock Lesnar, he has he has mentioned that he he does run the show. Uh-huh. You know, he 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 did his he 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 but, was Paul Hammond about it. But the thing about the Undertaker being a general manager, like shit's going down, all of a sudden the lights go out, he comes out of nowhere with like a suit and tie. But speaking as like the American badass version of the Undertaker, mm. I think that'd be great. <laughs> People thought he was he was going to kind of come out as the American badass version for one he when he fought John Cena, right? Um, which he didn't do. Um, he still he just he just wrestled at the last pay per view. Apparently, he did very well. I mean, since since his surgery and and everything, he he's gotten better. Well, like I remember from when I read the 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 match he had in Saudi Arabia against Goldberg was not good. Well, that's also because Goldberg apparently was concussed half the time yeah. because he bashed his head or something like that. Uh, but I've heard that that the match was terrible. Yeah, I heard that match was terrible. That the match that he had with Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and uh, Drew McIntyre was like definitely a one hundred percent improvement. Yeah. You know, kind of like the whole you still got it thing. Yeah. And he looks great though. I mean, at 50 some odd years old, he looks awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, again, whatever capacity he's in the WWE, I'll be I'll be excited to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably right, stop watching when he finally retires. When, when he can't do when he can't do old school anymore, which is the move where he jumps where he gets walks on the, the tight rope. walks walks the rope and and whatnot. When he can't do that well anymore <laughs> then I'll be like I'm done yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as of right now like I still get excited when when he appears regardless like it's just it, it, it's one of those things yeah you know it's always fun it's it's just it's it's being an old school fan and it was just really interesting to think about him as such a staple in that industry with one company for the most part, yeah, you know, and imagine like just just being him and like still still doing it while other guys who had a bigger and better quote unquote career like Steve Austin and Rock have come and gone, yeah, you know, and it's just really interesting to think about that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, now that we now that we've gone completely off track, so let's talk about. Let's talk about cancer. Cancer. Where is that pussy cancer? So, Merciful Fate bassist Timmy Hansen has revealed that he's battling cancer. I didn't put down any details. I didn't. I think there was a long. Um, he's now uh, he's post. the current bassist of Merciful Fate, correct? Yes. Yes. I say current because it was announced that they are. Well, that know, comes up later. Uh, it does. It comes up later. I'm, I'm sure it does. All right, and we will talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but Chimera singer Mark Hunter has been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. The Ohio-based musician revealed his diagnosis in a Facebook post Thursday, August 1st. So now I'm in a week, barely a week ago. That is... Uh, he's a young guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Chimera only came to an end recently. Um, you know, they, they called it quits. Really? I'm pretty sure I read that in the article that, you know, they're not doing much anymore, if anything. Mm. But, yeah, so two gentlemen in the mental community with cancer currently. And, of course, we'll keep you updated as that progresses. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to general news then. 
All right, so here's a very interesting one, and this might be shaping up how we look at the charts in the coming weeks. Tool, their entire recorded catalog has been made available on digital and streaming services for the very first time. All four previous studio albums, including Undertow, Anima, Lateralis, and 10,000 Days, and the band's 1992 debut EP, Opiate, are available. And Tool was one of the last holdouts in the music business to keep all its music out of the digital realm. Oh, and it would change your mind. Probably uh, just going with the flow, finally. Mm. You know, I mean, they're releasing a new album. Yeah. They probably realize that a lot of people are not going to actually physically purchase this record. Mm-hmm. That they need to do something to get the record out and to make money off of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's going to be en- enough people to buy it anyway. <laughs> well, I'm buying it. I rec- and I w- we'll talk about the the actual because yeah. they, they always do something special. Yeah, with their with their releases uh, as as far as packaging goes, and this one is like beyond anything they've ever done before is actually really super cool for what I, you know, I think it's super cool. It's a little bit on the expensive side, but what you get is worth it. Gotcha. Uh, again, we'll talk about that later. Um, but already they've, they've streamed that. I think they're, I think all the records are in the top 10 of, um, iTunes streaming. If that's the whole thing or Apple music, Apple music, Apple music. um, you know, certain albums have, have over a million streams within the first week. Probably 10, 10 million plays of sober. Yeah, just they've had a lot of streams already. So I don't. I did a quick scan of the charts already. They're not in the charts yet, but that that only you know time will tell if they'll yeah. get in the charts. At least in the hard rock charts. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason for them not to be in the hard rock if, charts. If not pushing the, it for the top 200. If not in the charts, then it might it might affect their numbers as far as as gold and platinum. Yeah. You know, and I just find it so funny. People are freaking out, like, "Oh my God, they're finally on 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 Spotify." And these are old. These are guys in my age group who who have had these albums out for like the last thirteen years, because that's the last time they had released an album. Was thirteen years ago. It's like, why are you so excited? Don't you own this already? Yeah, like, shouldn't you have? Shouldn't you have bought this, this record already? You know, like I I don't get it, yeah. <laughs> but I guess because it's keeping all your music in one place. If you listen to Spotify for everything else. I guess that, but the thing is, like, I, I don't get it. I know. It's just not my thing. Yeah. You know, it's also really good for new fans. Um, you know, anyone who hasn't listened to it before and has been looking for a, a way to listen to them without buying a record, they have the opportunity now. Cheapskate, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, you know what? The, I've been introducing. Um, I've been introducing some people to new music, and they've been listening to it. Uh, through the Spotify thing, and it's worked out for them. So, right on. And the thing is, Spotify is a pay thing, so it's not like you're. Well, depending on the version you get, you can listen to it for free, but you can also pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, someone's getting money out of it. Gotcha. All right, are we ready to go? Yeah. Pestilence have signed a deal with uh, Agonia? Agonia Agonia Records. Uh, via the band's imprint, Hadian Records. A new album titled Exivitum. Exidium. Exidium? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm just still going with V as, like, not you. Anyway, will be released in the coming months. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like that the whole... Cult thing? Uh, or that, or, or, or like, Roman. Oh, gotcha. 
All right, Slipknot's Unsainted has been chosen as this theme song for WWE's upcoming NXT TakeOver event. NXT TakeOver Toronto 2 will take place on Saturday, August 10th from the Bank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada uh, during WWE SummerSlam weekend. NXT champion Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano will headline the show. It sounds like you, it's, it's your birthday. It is my birthday. Yeah. But, uh... That's that's looking to be a good show, um, as far as as far as the whole lineup. Since since we're, we were already discussing yeah, wrestling. we were already discussing wrestling. It's it's <laughs> now now it's a topic of conversation. Yeah, it, it, it looks like a good show uh, already uh, as far as the matches. Um, NXT takeovers are always friggin' brilliant, um, and we're coming up to November soon, which is uh, War Games. War Games is is always awesome to watch is it yeah it's because it's, it's the it's the two rings side by side inside of a inside of a steel cage oh shit yeah it's it's cr- always crazy to watch hell yeah okay i also like the fact that uh nxt chooses like these type of this type of music to be their theme song yeah like i would say pretty much 100 percent of the time yeah, and, and that's I think that has that has everything to do with Triple H. Yeah, they well they had a uh, they had Code Orange do um, mm-hmm. uh, Alistair Black's theme, um, or and the NXT, and or what was the NXT theme at the time? Um, now it's it's a Slipknot song. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I can't think of what song it is. That it was probably listed in all, all this life. Book. All life. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. All right. Several online book retailers, including Google, AdLibris, 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 Layman's, and various Amazon sites, are advertising an upcoming autobiography from Iron Maiden guitarist Adrian Smith, <clears throat> titled "Monsters of River and Rock: My Life as Iron Maiden's Compulsive Angler." The 288-page book will be released in May 2020 via eBury. And uh, the non-fiction specialist of Penguin Random House. Now I'm wondering what that's going to be about. Is that going to be about Iron Maiden, or is that going to be about fishing? Why not both? Well, how much can you write about fishing? Apparently, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of books about fishing out there. There's a whole show called Bassmasters. There's an entire <laughs> fucking. Sports shop called Bass Pro Shop. It's can, huge. How much can you write about fishing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure, you know. I'm sure people can find ways to write about it, Dan. Just because you're not into it. So I, uh, with my with my lip ring in, someone looked at me and went, "You got fishing lately?" <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> he just didn't get it. I didn't get it until he's like, where'd that come from? I was like, oh, uh, I've had that for a while. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. All right, moving on. Woodstock 50 has officially been canceled. Michael Lang, a co founder of the original three day concert, called off the event after attempting to move it to Maryland. Earlier this month, organizers attempted to relocate the festival to Maryland's Merriweather Post Pavilion after four failed attempts to stage a concert at Vernon, da- Vernon Downs in Vernon, New York. Woodstock 50 was originally slated to take place in Watkins Glen, New York, 
but the show ran into financial trouble in late April when its main investor pulled out. Following that, Woodstock 50 was hit with more defeats, including the loss of the Watkins Glen location, three different producers quitting, and contractual breaches. Wow. And I just kept on reading, like, the, the closer the event, the date got, and, like, the more it just was, like, like a lot of artists would just jump and shit, like, yo, fuck this noise. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that, that that comic of the of the dog with the house on fire. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least it didn't go through, and we had another fire festival going on or anything yeah, like that. No, 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 none of that. No, no. Like, hey, let's hand out candles and, and be peaceful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I'm just glad that the shitstorm ended before it got to full force there. Yeah. Seriously, uh, bonfires and terribleness. And yeah. <laughs> All right. Two members of Ramstein kissed on stage in Moscow in defiance of Russia's notoriously anti-LGBT plus stance. In 2013, Russia passed a controversial law that can see people arrested for behavior that is deemed to promote homosexuality. The law provides for Russian citizens engaged in the, quote, propaganda of non-traditional sexual orientation to be fined, while foreigners can be arrested and immediately deported. When this, when, when, when this happened, uh, a handful of posts came up and, and uh, talked about it and everything, and somebody... Some random person responded by saying that it was gimmicky. I was like, "What is gimmicky about this? It's, it's, it's a more of a political statement than it is a gimmick. Like, they don't normally do this. This is more of an act of defiance. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no gimmick here. And also, what about website isn't gimmicky? Yeah. Well, well <laughs> I mean, they do they do. Plenty. Half their songs are about like sex anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Why not be homosex? So there's no reason for it to be exclusive. Yeah, I, I just I just found it very very silly to sit there and say it's gimmicky. I'm like, God, fuck off. Yeah. All right, corn guitarist James Monkey Schaefer will miss a week's worth of shows on the band's North American tour with Thousand Chains so they can be home with his wife as they await the birth of their daughter. Filling in for him will be J.R. Baris, who previously played with corn guitarist Brian Head Welch in Welch's solo effort, Love and Death. Right on. Okay, on September 6th, Eagle Vision will release Queen and Bejot, which is... Um, Ballet for Life is the title of everything, which documents Queen's music as the inspiration for a unique ballet that has endured for over 20 years on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital video. The DVD and Blu-ray will also be available as deluxe editions packaged in a 36-page hardback photo book featuring photos from the Ballet for Life. All right. The DVD Blu-ray will feature two programs. One is the documentary by Lynn Wake and Simon Lupton, and a full 1997 performance of the ballet by the uh, Bejart Ballet. Yeah, okay, we're just going to stop there. (laughs) All right, the documentary edited by Emmy Award winner Christopher Burr tells the story of the creation and success of the ballet featuring the great and the good of both. That makes no sense. 
All right, yeah. Remember, copy and paste for everything I do here. Uh, both rock and dance, including Brian May, Roger Taylor, Gilmore, Gil, Roman, Wayne Sleep, and uh, Arlene Phillips. So you, these are contributors, of course. The performance includes uh, incredible archive footage of Freddie Mercury, Maurice Bejart, Queen, and Gianni Versace, as well as featuring Versace's stunning uh, costume designs. The production continues to tour widely, but is captured here performing the at the Theater Metropole, uh, Metropole. This is all French, so I'm just not, yeah. Um, in June of 1997. I'll have to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> I always find it interesting when they, when the, that particular two worlds kind of get combined dance and uh rock or heavy metal mm -hmm. and i remember specifically going to see opeth i think it was probably in 2007 it was during their chronology tour where and, they, they, and they had like, like what ballet dancers they had like, yeah they had like three ballet dancers performing to opeth songs uh it was probably just a very small section of the troupe that does it like internationally mm -hmm. um i just found it very interesting to watch yeah, I, 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 I mean, I've not seen much of it myself personally, but um, I would like to see this DVD. It would um, be very interesting. I'm, I'm wondering uh, what kind of interpretations of the songs they do, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. like, uh, do they do it as the originally done, or do they make them a little bit more accessible to dance? Um, Especially that particular type of dance, because that's not like you know, dancing to a beat or anything like that. It's not yeah. like what you would consider like. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it because ballet is something completely different. I can't see. I can't see a ballet dancer going like you know, dancing to Fat Bottom Girls. Because most of them are skinny anyway. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but, that just but, doesn't work. It's just kind of counterintuitive. But in in, in general. Um, you know, most of their stuff, you know, yeah, I, I can't see ballet, uh, done to ballet, so I'll have to see this myself at some point. Um, <clears throat> what I do like, though, is that, be, you know, Queen, obviously, you know, they, they're not, they, ha they haven't recorded anything new with Adam Lambert, um, they're not recording new material, but what they are releasing is different. Yeah. It's not it's not just, you know, here's a live thing, you know, here's here's uh, you know us playing at, at this time whatnot. It's it's it covers it covers all eras and it's all different things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, cuz they're also release, releasing the uh the Adam Lambert uh and Queen documentary thing. Um they're doing this ballet thing. Um, they did two uh, DVDs uh, of them with uh, Paul Rogers. Um, what they've done as far as their own stuff, they've they released Live Aid and and Wembley and and Live at the Rainbow, you know, back in '74. So like they're they're covering all the eras that they can. So it feels different. Right, right, right. So and something like this kind of you know crosses over. Yeah. to certain different other um, fan bases. Yeah. You know, 
you know, I mean, you might necessarily might not necessarily be a fan of ballet, but you know, if you're a fan of Queen, you might check this out. You might actually like it. Yeah. You might get into ballet and vice versa. Yeah. As also the same thing with with Iron Maiden. They release an album. They release something live, or they release something, um, whether it be a DVD of all their videos, or a documentary about their early days, or and now they're they're redoing all their albums, and certain ones again, like the the extra packaging and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. So so when they release DVDs, it's either like a, for the last tour, or it's something different something special like the the entire flight 666 uh documentary that was that was still one of my favorite live dvds yeah because of the documentary and of course the performances yeah but yeah yeah it's it's the 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 fact that they they do something different every time even though they they have a lot of stuff like they they're they release a lot of stuff at least it feels different every time. It's yeah. not just constantly barraging you with like the same thing over like, and over like, again. Like album and then live and then album and then live and then album and then live. So it does, it feels different every time. Anyway, right. continuing on, Within Temptation have canceled their appearance at a Lebanese music festival in solidarity with a local band, whose show was scrapped from the event under pressure from Christian groups. Marshall Layla, I'm going to stick with that, features an openly gay singer, and the band's lyrics tackle sectarianism, sectarianism, gender equality, and homophobia. Concert organizers said they were forced to cancel their appearance at the festival, quote, due to, uh, quote, to prevent bloodshed and maintain security and stability, after church leaders in Byblos said the band's songs violate, quote, religious values, and apparently threats were made. <sighs> yep, we still live in that kind of time. Well, this is also another country, so... Again, but still... But still, it's still the same in, in this country as well, so... Oh, it's just the, the, the umbrella of Christian groups and Christian organizations that kind of, like, gives the bad name to everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Again, we're not saying all, but many. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to separate sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's just, just terrible. Just that we we still we still have to live in that that kind of world where you know threats are made because of. I mean. It, It's not yeah. just like threats. It's like, not even like they're just starting to protest, but they're threatening violence. Threatening, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's just that's just stupid. Yeah, that's that. It's sad. All right, let's move on. Yeah, something a little bit better before, here. Before I before I get mad. Yeah, Pierce the Veil singer Vic Fuentes has been appointed CEO and co-chairman of the Living the Dream Foundation. Since 2016, the gold-certified chart-topping artist has championed the nonprofit, which helps children and young adults afflicted by life-threatening illnesses pay positive, uh, stay positive, maintain hope, and appreciate each and every day in the face of their afflictions. For the past three years, he has served as an ambassador, and now the organization proudly appoints him as its new leader. As part of his appointment, he endeavors to utilize his platform to expand the influence and impact of Living the Dream Foundation. 
A little bit of background here. Living the Dream, which was founded in June 2007, is known for providing rich and rewarding hashtag dream day experiences to children and young adults who are courageously battling life-threatening illnesses. A hashtag dream day can include meet and greets with their heroes, VIP access to concerts and special events, hanging out behind the scenes, hospital visits, surprise gifts, and most importantly, lasting memories that the guests and their families will treasure forever. The organization works hand-in-hand with the music, sports, entertainment, and social media industries to create unique and impactful experiences for their guests. The overall goal is to help them understand and embrace the powerful message of truly, quote, living the dream, unquote, each day regardless of their affliction. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm just wondering what that's going to do for her, for his role in the band. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's people who do both things simultaneously, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, of, of course. But that's 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 a lot to undertake. Yeah, it is. So yeah. So. But good on him and good on them. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen some some of the I saw some of the pictures of what they've done for people. Um, you know, meeting. Corey Taylor or going to a concert and hanging out with the bands and stuff like that. Like, it's all really cool stuff. It's all, like, the same kind of vein as, like, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah. You know, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Brent Brent Fitz, who plays drums for Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, will miss the last six shows of the band's summer 2019 U.S. tour so that he can undergo emergency surgery for a detached retina. Holy shit. Filling in for him for all dates between August 6th in Nashville, Tennessee, and August 13th in Orlando, Florida, will be Shane Gallas. There's just so many A's in that band, yeah. in that name, so. Yeah. Gallas. Gallas. Yeah. All right. This sounds awesome, okay? Because according to several posts on various social media platforms, former Machine Head and current violence guitarist Phil Demmel is working on a new project with vocalist Bobby Blitz Ellsworth of Overkill, bassist Mark Mengi of Metal Allegiance, and the guy who can play everything, Mike Portnoy of Sons of Apollo, and of course of formerly of Dream Theater, Adrenaline Mob, Avenged Sevenfold, and a whole shit ton of other things. Yeah, and just, just uh, your band. He's, he, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. If you have a band, he's he's your he's your drummer. You can always just put that on your like. My band, formerly featuring Mike Portnoy. And you'll probably get a show. <laughs> if I show up one day and just be like, hey, I used to be in this band. <laughs> or he just goes up to other bands like, I'm in your band now. And they, and they look at the drummer like, bye. <laughs> I guess we can keep you on retainer. <laughs> I was just thinking of... Um... The the episode of um, The Simpsons with the B sharps when uh, they get rid of Chief Wiggum and they just leave him out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Chief. Chief Wiggum. Uh, but that's it for general news, and that will be something I'm excited about because that sounds like a great project. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing what they what kind of music they play and everything. Yeah, it'd just be great. But that is it for general news. Thankfully, there's nothing for crime blotter. Nope. No uh, one's breaking the law. No one's getting robbed or whatever. Well, th- that we know th- of. Threats of violence and everything. That's, that's uh, crime. Yeah. Um, but let's go on to Metallica breaking shit. All right. According to Billboard's box score data, 
The summer 2019 leg of Metallica's World Wild World Wired tour grossed more than seventy million dollars from thirteen shows. Damn. The highest earning date, eight million one hundred ninety-four thousand seventy-five dollars, took place on June eighth in Meath, Ireland, where a near capacity crowd of seventy-one thousand one hundred and twenty-two saw the band perform at the iconic venue Slane Castle. The second biggest concert, earning $6,745,329, happened on July 6th in Berlin, Germany, where 68,452 fans were packed into the sold-out Olympia Stadium. I can only imagine what it's like to be that band. <laughs> you know what's really funny? I was just thinking about this the other day, where we, we were talking about... Um, or has come up where Metallica's management was directly selling tickets to scalpers, pretty much to mm-hmm. to mark up their their ticket sales mm-hmm. or anything like that. The but the, the thing is, the brand of Metallica is so big now that the guys who actually form the band have probably have no fucking clue what's going on. Like all they do, they just get shepherded into a stage, they play, they get shepherded out, but they know nothing. About the business. It's like Death Clock. Yeah. They're just like Death Clock now. They know nothing about the Like, they are like a large... They are the economy of a small country now to that point, And they know nothing about it. Like, how is it like that you can start off as a band in a garage to become that fucking big? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. It's, it's just crazy to think about. Like, there's probably so many things going on at the same time in the Metallica company. That these guys have no clue, yeah. no clue. Which means that all the all the good stuff that we talk about, you know, for for every good thing we talk about, there might be something unfortunately underhanded and shady happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So every time they donate something, like a huge amount of money with the within my hands foundation, there might be something else under the table that's like that's really shitty. Yeah. And the thing is, that's not just Metallica. You can't just blame it on them or just no. put it on them. I'm sure everything that Kiss has done is the same thing. Uh, again, everything, uh, everything a, a bit like Iron Maiden, they are a huge brand now too. I'm sure. You you, you put you put um, you put the power in someone's hands, and they they have that tendency that that potential to abuse it. Yeah. So. You know anything? Any, once once a brand becomes larger than the initial people, it it. That has the potential to be taken out of control. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, I think you know, Kiss is now a franchise and not a band. They're a franchise. Metallica's on the verge of the same thing. You know, Iron Maiden, same thing. You know, Slayer also. They're a brand now. They're not a band. They're a brand. But with with something like with 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 bands like. Like the ones we're mentioning, like Metallica, like like Kiss, like Iron Maiden. There's always somebody within the band that I can see stepping in and doing something about it. Right. Um, Metallica has Lars. He yeah, he's a business side. guy. You have Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to a point. To a point. And Steve Harris. Yep. And so. I, I, I would say that for Slayer, it would probably be Kerry King. Yeah. For all that, we, we bash him. I'm sure he's probably very well... Uh, verse in business mm-hmm. at this point. You have yeah. to be after 35 years. Yep. But again, the thing is they, the company is still so large that not one person in that band probably knows everything that goes on. 
Yeah. It's just too big. Yeah. Too big. All right, let's go on to my favorite section. f f f feuding All right, nearly a dozen leading Danish media outlets have penned an open letter to Volbeat explaining why they have decided to boycott the band's new album, Rewind, Replay, Rebound. When the disc is officially released, uh, see, it was released last Friday, August, August 2nd, 2nd. Yeah. so that way it will probably be in the, in the charts next week. Um, none of these publications, including newspaper Politiken, uh, Politiken, tabloid Eskra Blandit, Bladit, and metal site De- Devolution, Devolution, okay, will review or write about the LP. The controversy first arose when Volbeat allegedly refused to accredit two of these publications for the band's homecoming Copenhagen concert in uh, Teleparken in August of 2017. Every other Danish media outlet was reportedly allowed to cover the show. No explanation was given for the ban, but both of these outlets have previously written negative reviews of the group. Bulby then allegedly blocked the same two publications when the ban performed in Denmark this past June. Again, no reason was given for the move. Now, Volbeat apparently also instructed its label, Universal, to refrain from sending out promotional copies of Rewind, Replay, Rebound to the same two media outlets, thereby giving them no time to listen to the album and have a review ready in time for the release date. As a result, nine publications, which I will not name, have chosen not to cover the album. Together, they have written an open letter to Volbeat, explaining that the band's apparent lack of respect for a free and independent press will not be tolerated by the Danish media. The letter states that none of these media outlets will write about Volbeat again until either the group, its record label, promoter Live Nation, or management, Q Prime, lifts this perceived press ban. I mean, are they actually banned, or are they just not big enough? I mean, it, it sounds... It sounds very specific mm-hmm. that these these publications were banned. I mean, they say that every other Danish media outlet was allowed to cover the show, but these two bands. Mm-hmm. They specifically left out these two publications, sending out promotional material. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you know they 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 didn't say nice things, and we're not going to send them the record. Like so, it's it's petty. You're saying? Yeah, it, it, I think it sounds a little bit of petty on both sides. Yeah, but I think I think as far as the uh, the right of free press, I think the media is on is on the right side of this one. Mm-hmm. You know, Metallica, you know, they get shit on yeah. everywhere, but they like, you know what? Here, new album, give us shit. Like, go ahead. You know, you can't you can't just say, oh, they they wrote a negative review about it. Like, yeah, no, you don't get the new album. You can't do that. Yeah, it, do it's that. it's just wrong. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, so there's no alcohol this week. <laughs> there hasn't been alcohol for me in a long time. <laughs> so there's no alcoholic this week. Um, did you see the picture I sent of the Enter Night? I did, and that was in that was H E B. That was H E B. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I that, and it wasn't H-E-B? even it wasn't even a bad price either. H E B's been good about that. I mean, the first time I saw the Trooper was at H E B. Yeah. You know, I, I picked up I picked up a, a four pack of Trooper at H E B before. So, um, what's it called? Central Market. Um, they have a wide variety of. Oh, the one on Broadway. Yeah, the one on Broadway. Um, but this is this was just regular H E B plus. So yeah, I, I just saw that 
pa- passing through, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. All right, we ready to go on to merchandising, merchandising. Yes. All right, the Great Frog, which has been handcrafting rock jewelry in Canterbury, London, since 1972, has announced a collaboration with heavy metal legends Judas Priest. Now, I didn't go into the whole many details, but they are making rings, all right? And these things are pretty badass. Like, one of them is the razor from uh, oh, nice. British Steel. Cool. And one of them is the guy, a skull wearing a hat with a Judas Priest logo. Mm. Very cool. Cool. Um, so, it's just really cool merchandise, really. If you're into rings, um, definitely something to look into. And I'm sure you can pre-order the rings at their website. So... But the one that I think has come up a lot recently are these uh, puzzles. I actually I, I went to the site for these puzzles. Oh, did you now? Yes, I did. Um, they are a little expensive. I would don't, I don't doubt it. Um, they are somewhere in the vein of thirty dollars. Oh, that's uh, not that bad. I thought I thought you were about to tell me like you know upwards of like close to a hundred. No, 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 no. Like, they, I, they, they were, the, the, the Metallica ones is the one, the ones I was looking at, uh, first of all, and they were, they were 1999 pounds, which oh, equates okay. to roughly, that's close to, yeah, that's like close to 40 bucks. I mean, that, like after, after shipping. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's close to 40 bucks. Um, but <sighs> they have a lot more pu- puzzles. Yeah. Well, it says, UK's Z Productions will release four classic Rush albums as 500-piece jigsaw puzzles later this summer, including Fly By Night, A Farewell to Kings, Permanent Waves, and Moving Pictures, and they will be made available via, I mean, on September 20th. All right. Also, same time, same day, same fucking day, yeah. the same place is going to be releasing three classic Ramones album covers, Rocket to Russia, Road to Ruin, and It's Alive. Yeah, the 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 ones they have up there on on the site are awesome. Like they have a lot of Slayer already. Yeah, and I think I think they did Iron Maiden. No. Yeah, they did Iron yeah. Maiden. Um, plenty of Iron Maiden. I'm sure. Um, I mean, their covers are just you know classic. I mean, yeah, they, of course. They, they, they kind of lend themselves to be something like that. Yeah. So, so the site is pretty cool. Um, and <laughs> me being a, a fan of puzzles, um. I, I I obviously want these. They're they're a little bit, again, they're a little expensive for my taste, but still, very cool. All right, but that is it for merchandising. Right on. Looking into some recording news. Let's look into recording news. Steve Harris says that he's hoping to release British Lion's next studio album before the end of the year. The Maiden bassist hard rock side project already has its second opus in the can and has been performing select cuts from it during recent tour dates. When he's not playing with the juggernaut that is Iron Maiden. Which just played the Barclays Center. Yep. And we are seeing in <clears throat> September. Last yeah. date of the tour. Yeah, of course. San Antonio. Just, just I'm just stoked that they come here almost every time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty awesome for us. Yeah. All right, according to HMV and FYE... Ghost will release a two-song, seven-inch single, Kiss the Go Goat and Mary on a Cross, on September 13th. 
Also apparently scheduled on the same day is the arrival of the deluxe version of the band's latest album, 2018's prequel, possibly including the same two tracks. Ghost has not yet confirmed the release of any new material, but frontman Tobias Forge said in a November 2018 interview that fans could be hearing fresh music from the band before the end of this year. And plus, if you haven't been following the band, they always do album and some sort of secondary release, usually an EP involving like one or two new tracks and cover songs. My favorite being uh, I'm a Marionette. They're, that's a cover of an ABBA song, and it's really fucking good. Wow. Uh, Mushroomhead drummer Steve Skinny Felton has confirmed to Rock Sins that the band is hard at work on the long-awaited follow-up to 2014's The Righteous and the Butterfly album for a tentative March 2020 release. He is quoted as saying, It's about 80% done. It's just a matter of finding the right person to mix it and keep us on track for our deadlines. Who is highly anticipating that? Mushroomhead fans? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 1349 released their new album, The Infernal Pathway, on October 18th via Season of Mist. The disc was recorded earlier this year at Amper Tone Studios and Studio Nyagan with uh, engineer Jarrett Pritchard. Yeah. Right on. On September 27th, Dragon Force will unleash its eighth full-length album, Extreme Power Metal. Produced in Los Angeles, California by Damien Reynard, Reynard? Reynard. at Mix Unlimited, Extreme Power Metal was also recorded in part on guitarist Herman Lee's live stream channel on Twitch with participation from the fans. This one just, just kind of like really hitting you over the head. <laughs> extreme Power Metal, why don't you just call it a lot of notes? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> Extreme. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's it's just just we, we like that's what they are. They're they're basically extreme power metal. They are they are super fast power metal. Like we know what you guys are. You... But are you sure you know what they are? You, no, no, the, you, you just no. Are you sure? <laughs> just just we really, are who they thought they were. Really, just just hitting it over the head there. Just 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 just. just Beating a dead horse? Yeah, like... <laughs> it's, it's so it's so cheesy, it hurts. Uh, now I'm just thinking about the Simpsons movie where Homer is trying to get back to Springfield from Alaska with the sled dogs, and he's like, mush, 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 and they lay down, rest, rest, rest! <laughs> Extreme power metal! <laughs> Just beating you over the head with it. <laughs> and I like Dragon Force, but man, I, I, what an album title. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Uh, Are you ready? As ready as I can okay. be. Tool has set Fear Inoculum as the title of the band's long-awaited new album. Now, I know people have been long-awaited this one. Uh, the follow-up to 2006's. Remember, this is 13 years ago. That album came out, 10,000 Days, is due on August 30th. The disc is expected to include the songs Descending and Invincible, which the band has performed live at recent concerts. Just a little FYI here, apparently the album is only seven tracks long, but 
80 minutes long. So anyone who's not a fan of prog rock and not a fan of Tool, you're not going to like it. Mm. Period. Period. They released a single this week that's 10 minutes long. People are not going to like it. <laughs> According to an official description of Fear Inoculum, the limited edition CD, which I pre-ordered, quote, includes a CD in a trifold soft pack video brochure featuring a 4-inch HD rechargeable screen with exclusive video footage, a USB charging cable, a 2-watt speaker, and a 36-page insert book and MP3 download card. The, brown, the groundbreaking technology included with the limited edition version of Fear Inoculum will cost you $45, music included. Ouch. Yes, it hurt. It hurt to put the, this one on pre-order, but it just sounds super cool. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what this is about. Yeah, I'll be buying that standard version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I have that on pre-order. You don't even need to buy it. I'll just give you my download card. No. I, I know physical. Yeah, I get don't, it. Trust don't, me, I get don't it. Don't you start with me. I get it. <laughs> don't, don't you start with me. Trust me, I get it. Box of fun. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All right, anyway, Cobra and the Lotus will release this new album, Evolution, on September 28th via Napalm Records. Right on. Times of Grace, which is the collaborative project between Killswitch Engage members Jesse Leach and Adam D, is hoping with the complete work on its second album by the end of the year. I read a, I saw an article later on, like the next day, that it might be an EP, it might be an album. They're not sure, but they'll be releasing something very soon. We we're, we're doing shit. We're anyway. doing shit. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, here, Agnostic Front have completed work on their new album, Get Loud, for a fall release via Nuclear Blast. I like Agnostic Front, but that's kind of a cheesy album title. Right? That's, 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 that's a Kiss album title. Especially because it even does include, like, the exclamation point. Yeah. Like, like that's... that's. It sounds, it, sounds like, it sounds like Shazam. Like, it's a, it's a comic book title. Yeah. You know? Shazam! <laughs> Abby's looking at me like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, wake up, Abby. Abby Road. Which just celebrated its 50th anniversary, by the way. Good for that. All right, we ready? Yes. The good that men do. Right on. Ex-Japan's Yoshiki has donated 10 million Japanese yen, which approximates to about $94,000, in the support of the victims and survivors of the Kyoto Animation Fire, which occurred on July 18th. After learning about the tragedy that befell the studio, Yoshiki... Yoshiki? Yeah. Uh, made the donation to the dedicated support fund established by Kyoto Animation through its 501 uh, non-profit organization, or through his non-profit organization, Yoshiki Foundation America. Anyway, the incident affected him deeply due to his personal professional connection with anime, which has lasted for over two decades, and he has moved to take action as soon as possible. His connection to anime is that he is the composer of music for several anime movies and tv shows mm. so he felt personally affected by this so good for him uh. all right funeral for a friend have announced a pair of reunion shows um with their earlier members and a bid to raise funds for uh, for the family of a fan and friend of theirs Stuart brothers who was recently diagnosed with a terminal illness 
There is a crowdfunding thing for Mr. Uh, Brothers here. Uh, their goal is £5,000, and to date, they have raised £2,607,000, which equates to about 52% of their goal. Mm-hmm. And they will be performing two shows. Let's see if I have the dates here. October 28th and 29th at the Cardiff Globe and London Shepherds Bush Empire, respectively. Uh, these shows, again, will be um, uh, benefiting Stu Brothers. Uh, that's his That's his name, I guess. Um, yeah, that's about it. Right on. So super cool that a band that was, you know, defunct is coming back together for this very cool thing. Yeah. And just an update on helping Lachlan Watt beat the cancer in his brain. Their goal of $50,000, they are at 28228 So that one has slowed down significantly. But the guy is still doing relatively well. He's in treatment, and he's still being able to cover the bills that he has coming in and whatnot. That as well. Um, do we have anything else for crowdfunding tracker? Just those two. Okay. Um, I don't have things I want. I do. But you do. I want a rock and roll cover album. We're talking 1950s rock and roll. Done by Volbeat. Like, um, like a greaser album. Yeah, not just that. I, I would love to hear, because they, their song, their sound is very signature to, the, to them, but it's deeply rooted in like classic original rock and roll mm-hmm. so to hear that band do like a modern day version of songs by like Buddy Holly fucking um, Richie Valens the Big Bopper uh, Chubby Checker or fucking um, Little Richard I think it'd be a lot of fucking fun mm-hmm. and their their sound is already kind of geared to it like to the, to the point where like they haven't done it yet, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would just really love to hear that. Love to hear them do a cover record of those kind of songs. Okay. That that for me that would be perfect. I think it'd be great. I, I can see that. You know, I I would totally get a hundred behind that one hundred percent. Would not be able to understand a word he's saying, but <laughs> yeah, but that's all right. You know, can you can, can you imagine them doing Great Balls of Fire? Come on. <laughs> Come on, you know you want it. You know you know you want it. Yeah, I, I can see that. Okay, that, that's that, that that works. Yeah, it was nice and quick. Yeah. No, means... no explanation needed. If you know Volbeat, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. So let's go on to concert news and start talking about some festivals. Yeah, we're talking about festivals. We're already looking at future festivals here. Judas Priest will perform at next year's edition of the Vakken Open Air Festival, set to take place July 30th, 2020, through August 1st, 2020, in Vakken, Germany. The show will be part of the British Heavy Metal Legends 50th Anniversary Tour, which is expected to launch next spring, summer. 50th Anniversary? Yeah, you know it. You fucking know it. God damn. But the the most amazing thing about this is that these these advertisements for the next year's Vakken were going up as this year's Vakken was happening. <laughs> Like, we ain't even done yet. And we got shit lined up. And the lineup looks insane. I mean, they got Judas Priest, Amara Marathon is on a date, and the next band we're about to talk about is on a date, and that will be Merciful Fate. They will reunite for an unspecified number of concerts throughout Europe during the summer of 2020, 
including next year's Copenhagen Denmark. Uh, I'm sorry, including next year's edition of the Copenhagen Festival, set to take place in June 20th through the 20th of 2020 in Copenhagen Denmark, and also Vakken, as I just mentioned. Merzel face lineup for the shows will consist of King Diamond on vocals, Hank Sherman on guitar, uh, Bjarni, Bjorn, Bjorn. We're just gonna say Bjorn instead of Bjorn. Yeah, Bjorn. Okay. Um, Bjorn T. Holmes on drums, Mike Weed on guitar, and Joey Vera of Armored Saint and Fate's Warning on bass. Hmm. Because as we spoke about before, their current bassist is in treatment for cancer. Hmm. I'm just surprised there's no uh, dinner. Yeah, people have mentioned that, especially because Sherman and Denner are working together yeah. on their own project. Yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah. Maybe he had previous in- engagements or something of that nature. Maybe. All right, Not Fest, the music and lifestyle phenomenon created by Slipknot, has announced lineups for its first ever event in Mexico City, taking place at the awesome Par- Park Deportivo Oceani. Yeah. This year, NotFest is joining forces with ForceFest, combining two massive festival brands over the one weekend. The NotFest Day will take place on Saturday, November 30th, headlined by Slipknot, with ForceFest taking place on Sunday, December 1st, headlined by Rob Zombie. The NotFest lineup is Slipknot, Evanescence, Behemoth, Carcass, Suicidal Tendencies, Chelsea Grin, Tennis, Jet Jaguar, Latino, and Rejection. Force Fest is Rob Zombie, except Saxon, Testament, Exodus, Strike Master, Next, Tamar, Tamadre? I guess so. Yeah, we're probably getting to more local bands here. Uh, Sakuda, Feed the Vulture, and Rebel Rider. Right on. Yeah, that sounds badass. Both of those sound awesome. Yeah. Yeah, especially the, the top few yeah. for each. Yeah. Queen and Adam Lambert is among the headliners for the 2019 Global Citizen Festival, set to take place on September 28th in New York City's Central Park. The festival is happening at the end of the United Nations General Assembly Week in New York City and is designed to call on world leaders to make real, impactful commitments toward achieving the UN's global goals for sustainable development. Good luck with that. (coughs) Excuse me. Deftones have announced the second annual... Dia de los Deftones, set to take place Saturday, November 2nd at Petco Park in San Diego, California. The all-ages festival lineup includes Churches, Gojira, uh, JPEG Mafia, Hum, Youth Code, and Brutus. JPEG Mafia. What kind of name is that? I don't know. <clears throat> and last but not least here for festivals, considered as a festival, I guess. Um, Lamb of God have been added to the lineup of performers at the inaugural Mega Cruise, hosted by metal veterans Megadeth. The performers listed here are Lamb of God, Anthrax, Testament, Queens, Rex, Suicidal Tendencies, Extreme Power Metal Band, Dragon Force, <laughs> Overkill, Death Angel, Corrosion and Conformity, Devil Driver, Phil Campbell, and the Bastard Sons. Doro, Armored St. John Five, Middle Church, Bla- Bisto, Blast, uh, Bisto Blanco, Tooth Grinder, Metalachi, and Mechanics. I would love just to just be on that cruise. Yeah, that lineup is fucking insane. Yeah. 
that's that's just amazing. That actually, like, if you look at that lineup, you can probably like line that up with like the Stretch Shacks albums of the day. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> in all honesty, in all honesty, that's fucking. That sounds so incredibly sick. I just like the 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 fact that Dragon Force is listed bef- uh, before Overkill. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Dragon Force Overkill. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! You you fucking hate puns, you fucker! You fucker! Oh, good one though, man. I'm take my hat off to you. Yeah, they, it, 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 it's a, extreme power metal. Overkill. 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 Wow, that was incredible. A lot of notes. dot com. Thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for that. All right, ready for some regular old touring news here. All right. Les Binks, Priesthood, the band featuring former Judas Priest drummer Les Binks, will celebrate the 40th anniversary of Priest's classic live album Unleashed in the East by performing the LP live at select shows in the UK and the rest of Europe. Okay. Cool. I mean, hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, I guess. Cool. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel will join forces for the Bay Strikes Back 2020 European Tour. The trek will kick off on February 6th in Copenhagen, Denmark, and will hit 25 cities before concluding on March 11th in Hanover, Germany. Come here. There is rumors, there is word that this this particular tour will be coming to the U.S. Come here. My hope is that when it does... It comes to San Antonio, and Gary Holt will be back to playing live with Exodus now that Slayer is not a thing. Yeah, they, they played their last show, finally. They played their last show in Europe. They still have the seventh leg of the American tour to do. Ah, uh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, the seventh leg. They're never going to stop. Yeah. Remember, we saw Kiss's Farewell Tour in 2000. We did. <laughs> we saw that. What year is it? <laughs> 2019, man. Come on. Crap, that was 19 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because because Kiss is coming around here in a few in a few uh, weeks for their farewell tour, <laughs> the end of the road tour. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna go on for another 19 fucking years. Uh... Again, I don't think Kiss is ever going to end. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley might not do it anymore. But there will be a kiss forever. It'll be kiss and the Trans Siberian Orchestra, Twinkies, and cockroaches at the end of the world. <laughs> I'm guarantee it. That's okay. Yeah. I, I, I well, I, I guess I, I can live without the cockroaches. Little dirty bastards. All right, Devil Driver have been forced to cancel their previously announced European tour. The trek, which was scheduled to take place in September and October, is being called off due to, quote, unexpected circumstances completely out of the control of the band, according to a press release. Okay. Yep. Ice Nine Kills will embark on the Octane Accelerator Tour in the fall. Support on the trek will come from Fit for a King, Light the Torch, Make Them Suffer, and Wake Awake. Awake at last. I'm sorry. The U.S. tour will kick off on October 29th in Cleveland, Ohio at House of Blues, hitting major cities across country before wrapping in New York City on December 1st at Webster Hall. There is a San Antonio date of November 14th at the Aztec. If it wasn't the Aztec, I'd consider going. 
because it'd be a little expensive. Yeah. But it would sound amazing. Yeah, it would. It would. Cannibal Corpse will embark on a North American headlining track this fall. Support on the track, which will kick off on October 20th in Houston, will come from Thy Art is Murder and Perdition Temple. They're a band that I, I want to see. I want to see them live, too. Like I remember when, when Pete saw them live a couple years ago. He took a video, and it really is just them on stage being cannibal corpse like there's no gimmick there's nothing about it it's just two it's just a bunch of guys in jeans and a t-shirt just going crazy yeah and that's the kind of show i want to see yeah epica have announced three north american shows as part of their design your universe 10 year 10th anniversary tour the dates will see the band uh return to intimate venues in montreal los angeles and new york cool john five and the creatures which is comprised of world-renowned guitarist john five Bassist Ian Ross and drummer Logan Miles Nix have announced the second leg of the Invasion Tour 2019. The trek will kick off on October 30th in Michigan and wrap up just before Thanksgiving. Jared James Nichols, who supported John 5 on the first leg of the Invasion Tour earlier this year, has once again been tapped to open along with additional support from Reverend Jack. Cool. One-offs. Alright, one-offs. On October 9th, Metallica will perform SNM 2, which is a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the original SNM concerts and album, and also commemorate the grand opening of the State of the Art Chase Center, a historic addition to San Francisco's waterfront. This one-night-only event will be shown in over 3,000 movie theaters around the world. SNM 2 will see Metallica joining forces once again with the San Francisco Symphony, led in part by legendary conductor Michael Tilson Thomas as he kicks off his final season. The band will perform several tracks from the original 1999 S&M release, as well as symphonic versions of new songs released since then. That sounds exciting. That does sound exciting. I did not know that. I thought it was just going to be a reenactment of the original S&M concert, but now that they're actually adding new songs, that would be very, very interesting to hear. I also want to know who is composing. This guy is conducting. I want to know who is composing these new uh, symphonic takes on these tracks. Because obviously, Michael Kamen is no longer around. He passed away several years ago. He did the original S&M. I want to know who is filling in. Hmm. I, I'd, I'd say the same guy, probably. Uh, the conductor, too? Yeah. Poss- possibly. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know I, I don't always associate conductors with composing because those two are, can be mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, I figured they would have mentioned it if they... True. Also very true. But who knows? Also very true. All right. Are you ready for the charts? Uh, As ready as I can. Yeah, as ready as you can. Just prepare yourself for disappointment here. All right. Number one uh, is somebody called NF, and the album's called The Search. It's a new one. I don't know. What? Exactly. (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, we we might as well start making like I'm I'm an old out of touch person comments now because totally old and out of touch at this point. Uh, number two is Chance the Rapper. He has a new one called The Big Day. Uh, number three is number six coll- uh, collaborations project by Ed Sheeran. Number four is Billie Eilish. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? And number five is I don't know why this guy's still a thing. Chris fucking Brown Indigo. Yeah, you can you can you can. Not mention him from now on. Yeah, we can we can just 
talk about anybody else. But yeah, that. well, not not anybody else. There's, True. there's a lot of people that I don't want to talk about. Yeah. But he's one of them. He, yeah, he's pretty high up on that list. Anyway, number twenty, still in the top twenty, is the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack. Make a little bit of a downslide from nineteen. You know, not huge. It's still gonna be up there forever, probably. Oh, a new record out, allegedly new, uh, is Dave's Picks Volume Thirty One, Upton the- Uptown Theater, Chicago, Illinois, uh, December third, nineteen seventy nine, by the Grateful Dead. New release. Yeah, they always have like. A new live thing come out. It's always charts high the first week and then disappears. Yeah. So. Okay. Elton John's Diamonds is at 30. 30, 30, 30. The dirty, 30. Greatest Hits. The regular plain old Greatest Hits by Queen is a re-entry into the charts at number 44. Wow. 44. We got some soundtracks here from The Greatest Showman and The, and the Lion King. Not a surprise. Uh, Credence, Best of 56. Bob Marley, Best of 57. Okay. While you're doing that, you know what I saw, I saw a t-shirt of uh, the other day? What's that? The, uh, the, the code to get to Mike Tyson and punch out. It was just like... You know, you have passwords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was just the code. Nice. That that was it. I was like, I want that. I, I don't know why. <laughs> the Beatles one is at number seventy one. That sounds pretty awesome though. I'll fucking take it. Up, up, down, down, left, right. Abbey Road is at number ninety. Rumors, Fleetwood Mac is at number ninety three. Back in Black is at number ninety five. Yep. Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits 103. Eagles Greatest Hits 111. Scrolling, scrolling. Michael Jackson 121. Red Hot Chili Peppers Greatest Hits 124. Oh, the Stranger Things soundtrack is a re entry. Uh, this is a season three soundtrack. Not on the charts last week. Back on it at 131. Mm-hmm. Elvis Presley. The Essential Elvis Presley is a re-entry at 138. That's a band I would like to have Volbeat cover, or artists I would like to have Volbeat cover on that album I want. Mm. That would be pretty fun. Mothership, Led Zeppelin is at 151. The Decade of Destruction, Five Figure Death Punch at 154. Mm-hmm-hmm. Nevermind, Nirvana, 168. Greatest Hits is Bon Jovi, 175. Greatest Hits, 1, 2, and 3 by Queen is at 183. Greatest Hits of Motley Crue, 184. Honk by the Rolling Stones, 186. Subtitled Sublime Album, 188. Thriller, Thriller. Michael Jackson, 192. And... The White Album, closing out anything related to us, 198 on the top 200. I really want to know who decided that the album title, Honk, was a good idea. (laughs) It was just Keith Richards blowing his nose. (laughs) Great! (laughs) If he can still blow his nose, for fuck's sake. He might, I mean, if he still even has a nose, that might just be deteriorated from all that cocaine use. 
can just go up to him and go, Moosh! <laughs> you don't have a septum anymore. All right, top 25, Hard Rock, ready? Yeah, go for it. Number 25 is a re-entry, Toxicity, mm-hmm. System of Down. Number 24 is the new record, Human Target by Thy Art is Murder. Number 23 is Eclipse by Wolves at the Gate. That is a new album. Number 22 is a re-entry, Rage Against Machines, self-titled. Ooh, wow. Number 21, 1X, Three Days Grace. Number 20, Zeppelin 4. Number 19, All the Right Reasons, Nickelback. Number 18, Meteora, Linkin Park. Number 17, Experience Hendrix, The Best of Jimi Hendrix by Jimi Hendrix. Featuring Jimi Hendrix. Featuring Jimi Hendrix, produced by Jimi Hendrix, written by Jimi Hendrix. He totally roomed the shit out of it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know it. Anyway, number 16 is live at the Artist Den Sound Garden. New record. Number 16. Right on. Number 15 is the greatest hits by Three Doors Down. 14 greatest hits, Foo Fighters. 13 greatest hits, Def Leppard. Number 12 is Metallica, Black Album. 11 is Aerosmith's greatest hits. Number 10 is Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory. Number 9 is greatest hits of Motley Crue. Number 8 is greatest hits of Queen, The Platinum Collection, 1, 2, and 3. Number seven is Bon Jovi's Greatest Hits. Number six is A Decade of Destruction by Five Figure Death Punch. Number five is Mothership Led Zeppelin. Four, Greatest Hits, Guns N' Roses. Three, Back in Black. And of course, number two, Greatest Hits, Queen. And number one, Bohemian City. Bohemian Rap City soundtrack, Queen. Yeah, so not much has changed. Not much has changed. It's going to be interesting. Next week, uh, maybe we'll see some Volbeat. Maybe we'll see some Tool with the streaming. Mm. Um... And then, of course, the week after that, we'll have some Slipknot. I'm sure they'll debut at number one, if not if not number one, very high up on the charts. Uh, to, for the hard rock charts, obviously, not, the, not yeah. the top 200. Yeah. But with that said, if they are in the number one spot in the top in the hard rock charts, that will put them in the top 20 of, of the 200. Yeah. So we will see how that shakes out in a couple weeks. All right. So, I pulled up our discussion point for the week. Sweet! It is the 33 albums that debunk the sophomore slump. Like it. Okay. Um, And I looked at the first one, which uh, is definitely good. Alice in Chains, Dirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they released a bad album, period, so there's no slump regardless. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sophomore, fucking junior year, senior year. No, 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 no. They, they're on it all the time. Yeah. Um, I feel it was, it was an even better album than facelift. It might, might be as far as their full albums go. I might be their best. I would have to possibly agree with that. I have to go, you know, it's one band that we could possibly do a uh, discography, a 10 word review on. Yeah, it just, well, it depends on how well um, Pat and Reese know the the discography. They True. may not be big fans themselves. I don't know. I don't know. So let's go on to the next go one. Go the comfort zone a little bit. Whatever. Uh, this one's definitely um, up there. Uh, Anthrax, Spreading Disease. Mm, yeah. Um, that is the first Anthrax album I ever owned. You bought it for me. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, that's how we fucking roll. Yeah, 
And it's a fucking amazing album, and it definitely improves on their formula that they they started with the initial album. Um, I can't think of the name of the first album right now, unfortunately. It wasn't Fistful of Metal. Yeah, it's Fistful of Metal. Yeah, I I I knew the album cover. I just couldn't think of the uh, the the title. Um, but Spreading the Disease is a fantastic album. If if you have not heard it, or if you've been living under a rock. Actually, the the initial classic uh, lineup, um, the albums they released were all great. So even 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 some of the first few with with John Bush. So love some John Bush though. Avenged Sevenfold, Waking the Fallen. That is their second record. That is, is is that is a very good and valid point. And I would definitely have to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you were nutty for this album. For I a was long nutty time. for this album for a very long time, and yeah. you know what? When I go back and listen to it now, I get I still enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoy it. And the fact of the matter is, if you do compare um, this record to the Sound of the Seventh Trumpets, I think that's what it was called. Yeah, it's it's night and day. Like the quality of uh, record. You know, it's just it's just. It's more polished. The songs are better. The, everything sounds better. It's just a better record. Uh, didn't they get more melodic on this album? A little bit more. Yeah, they definitely got more melodic, but they, that's that was kind of their trend anyway. But I just just their songwriting was mm-hmm. just so much better on the second record. Like it, it, it was kind of it was like like I said, night and day, mm-hmm. night and day. Yeah, St- similar style, but just quality wise, night yeah. and day. This one's an obvious one. Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Oh, yeah, totally avoided the sophomore slump. Yeah, I mean, there's classics that that are still, I'm sure Ozzy still pulls out to this day. I, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, you still probably hear a good three or four songs of that album on the radio. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. War Pigs, fucking Paranoid, of course. Depending on what radio station, you might even hear Fairies Wear Boots on the radio. Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man, of course. There's top. There's four of like the eight to nine tracks. Fifty percent of the album, right there. Yeah. Um, I I'm not. This one's this one's more you than me. Uh, Deftones are on the fur. Yeah, definitely avoid the sophomore slump. I think that one made them a a little bit of a bigger band. It got them a little bit more recognition. Well, this that one had, had shove it on it. Yeah, that that's that that had you know more recognizable songs, and I mean. I, I mean, I didn't get into Deftones until later on in their career, like because I, I really I didn't really get into them when they first came out. I really much more enjoyed their later stuff, but they definitely avoided sophomore slump with that one. I mean, yeah. I think they just got better. You know, they they became more like themselves, really. Gotcha. You know. Yeah, I I don't care for them, so I do. Um, this one is kind of. Um... We'll have to listen to some Deftones now. Well, this one's kind of uh, relevant to uh, your recent listenings. Uh, Dio, The Last in Line. Yeah. Yeah. Dio, The Last in Line was a fantastic album. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The thing is, it's one of those... He got... He opened up... His debut album was so classic and iconic that it's always going to be hard to, to follow up with that. You know, and people still... 
like you don't necessarily hear people talk about the last in the line as much as they talk about Holy Diver. Of course not. They don't talk about anything else by by Dio beyond Holy Diver. Pretty for much, part. yeah. So it's very hard to live up to that kind of standard. I mean, I think it did. You know, I just wish it was like when we talk about certain certain bands like that, and the first album that comes to mind is not necessarily the first like. When we talk about Black Sabbath, the first album that typically comes to mind for most people is Paranoid, and that's their second album. That's their soft. That's their sophomore record. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing with like, um, even a band like Iron Maiden. Like, the first album that comes to mind for most people is is uh, Number of the Beast. That's like their third record. Yeah, that's the third record. So, you know, to to have that first record be that album, it's very hard to follow up. Yeah. The same thing with Ozzy, really. I mean, Ozzy, when people think about Ozzy, a lot of people go, immediately go to Blizzard of Oz because, yeah. you know, Randy Rhodes, fucking Crazy Train, all that stuff. Yeah. Although I usually go to No More Tears myself. Here's a good one. Dream Theater, Images and Words. Ooh. Now, I liked when Day, uh, Dream and Day Unite. But Images and Words. Images and Words is a phenomenal. Oh, record. my God. Top to bottom, beginning to end. That album is incredible. Yeah. So definitely, yeah. That that, I, that I, I can, I can as a matter of fact, I I can even forget that that's their second album. Just thinking about that as the album that made Dream Theater. That's their first album. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely agree with that. Um, Foo Fighters, the color and the shape. I would say so. Yeah. You know, they they became a band after that because, of course, the first Foo Fighters record was just Dave Grohl. He recorded it himself. He played everything. That was just Dave Grohl. And it was the first record as a as a band. Although Dave Grohl is still very heavy handed when he records stuff, yeah. but I mean, it was it was good for him to come out with that because it was like it was it was kind of like you know he is moving on from being in Nirvana. He has his own band now. It's good to come out on a on a on a, with another great record in a row. Yeah, for him. Yeah, you know, and I'm a big fan of the Foo Fighters, and I love everything they do. So this, yeah, it's definitely true. And it has Everlong, which the acoustic version was the song that Lindsay walked down the aisle to during our wedding. Also, very true, right there. there you go. <laughs> so that win. Yeah, um, I can't say anything here about this one. Um, whole live through this. I can't say much of anything about that either. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a whole fan. Yeah. So, although I can probably, you know, I can see it. Mm-hmm. You know. Because that's probably the one with doll parts on it, if I if I remember correctly. Um, it does not say. All right. Well, I remember doll parts being a very big song for them, and uh, this is probably also in the wake of uh, post Nirvana, uh, post Kurt's suicide. So. Nineteen ninety four. Right around the same time. Yeah. So. Um. We were just mentioning this, uh, this band, uh, but Iron Maiden Killers. I, I would, I would agree. Definitely avoided the sophomore slump. Yeah. Um, technically, from from what I understand, most of this album was written at the, around the same time as the first album. So you can assume that they wouldn't avoid, they would avoid a slump because it's in the same vein, the same raw mentality, the same songwriting mentality. Yeah, they probably just you know were were more of a, a focused band at this point. Yeah. So. Um, 
This one I can't say anything about because I hate the band. Jane's Addiction, Ritual, Delo Habitual. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Um, I I literally have nothing on this I band. do not like Jane's Addiction. I have nothing shocking, I believe, on uh, a CD. But, you know, again, I, I, I don't know them enough to be able to comment. The only thing that they have done that I can actually enjoy is when I see a cover of Jane Says by Carrie Asher. That's, that's about it. There you go. That's it. Um, this one's a, a no-brainer. Judas Priest, Sad Wings of Destiny. Mm. That's a great one. Another, another great album from start to finish. Not quite where they ended up, but still in the same like hard rock category yeah, that, they, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that they were starting off at. Uh, but what definitely better than rock and roll. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So. I mean, I like rock and roll, but Sad Wings of Destiny definitely trumps it 100%. Um, this next one is More You Than Me, uh, even though I do have the album. Um, Killswitch Engage, Alive or Just Breathing. Oh, God. Yeah, because their first one, I think it was a self-titled one. I was on Ferret Records. Um, <clears throat> it was just quality-wise and and just songwriting-wise, they were a little all over the place, mm-hmm. a little bit of a mess. And then Alive or Just Breathing is still, to this day, my favorite Killswitch Engage record. I love that album so much. I love everything about it. Jesse's voice on it sounds great. Even though the the band is still very raw, the sound is very tight and very in the pocket. Just so fucking good. I love mm. that record. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred fucking percent with that one. King Diamond, Abigail. I mean, we saw this album live. Yeah, it's one of my favorite concept albums of all time. You know, I. That's kind of like almost a no-brainer. And this is another one where uh, people will immediately think of. Yeah, everyone th- when you think when you hear King Diamond, this is what you think of. Yeah, like the band King Diamond. But usually, when people think of the person King Diamond, a lot of people go to Merciful Fate first. Okay, Led Zeppelin two. Man, that's tough. I mean, of course, it avoided the, the, like the the top of conversation here is it avoided the sophomore slump, but it totally did. It totally did. I remember. Back when I was working nights at uh, at Kohl's, uh, I worked with a guy who was like in his 50s. He was a big Led Zeppelin fan, and we would just start the night. We wouldn't even say any, any words to each other. He would just put a, a finger, one through four, which means which means what Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin album we're listening to to start the night. Never said hi, just held up a number, one through four. That was it. And it was always, for the most part, two. He always picked two. I am not as familiar with with their catalog. I have it, but I'm not as familiar with it, so I can't really say much here. Um, but they do say a whole lot of love and ramble on, ramble on being one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs of all time. And one of the ones you still hear on the radio to this day. Yes, that's true. So, um, Okay, so can't be avoided, but <laughs> Limp Bizkit, Significant Other. I mean, that had the more sing- more singles on it, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, I really... I think the thing that got me about $3 Bill, y'all, was that it was so much more intense and, like, 
Yeah, I really loved um, Counterfeit. I love that track. That's what the song that got me to them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they did. They never made a song like that again. Yeah, you know, and that's the song I loved, and I really loved that song. So I mean, again, Significant Other had more hits. Yeah, it, like it had it had a lot of singles. Again, we're I'm getting off topic because we're going by personal things. This is just saying albums that avoided the sophomore slump and. Yes, it most certainly fucking did. Yeah, this one. Yeah, I think this one sold best of their entire catalog. So uh, commercially, for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely. And probably, you know, just thinking about songwriting and stuff like that, they had stuff that was more accessible. They were able to, you know, to market themselves a little bit better. So yes, they most certainly avoided the sophomore slump with a significant other. Yeah. Whether you like the band or not. Yeah. Um. Well, you can. Definitely say this one because it's still on the charts. Lincoln Park Meteora. Um, I would agree with it. Mm-hmm. Most be- certainly because I do enjoy that album. Um, although I actually enjoy Lincoln Park. You know, I'm not. I'm you know, I never had a problem with them. Yeah. It, well, I mean, there isn't terribly much to hate. I'd say unless you're just not a fan of. Radio-friendly rap rock. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, they they got a little bit more, you know, melodic and less rappy as time went on, and and that's probably what started with Meteora because like they started with Hybrid Theory very much in like the new metal side. Yeah, and then they definitely took things in a little bit more radio-friendly on the second one. Again, that comes with like better songwriting and like a little bit more focus on you know music and stuff like that. So, I, yeah. Now, I always thought this was the third album, but I guess not. Uh, Marilyn Manson, Antichrist Superstar. Yeah, that was his third album. It was... It was It was Portrait of American Family, Smells Like Children. Right, Smells Like Children, I think it was... I guess they consider that a... Like a B-sides thing? Like a thing? B-sides thing, because there was a lot of random stuff on it, I guess. Yeah, so so Antichrist Superstar is considered Th- to that's be... That's considered his sophomore album, huh? Yeah. And, e- yeah, <laughs> that definitely avoided all sorts of slump. That that record was incredible. Man, that was good. Yeah, I was to assume that it was the third album, too. My bad. Yeah, same here. Um, Mastodon, Leviathan. <sighs> yeah. That's one of their best records, and of course, anything that has a concept for me um, is great. But when you do a concept album as your sophomore fucking record, that avoids all sorts of slump, I think, because uh, it just goes to show songwriting ability, ambition, and just I don't know. But the thing is, that album is so fucking good from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I agree. I'm not as familiar with it, unfortunately. Yeah, totally awesome. I would highly recommend it, dude. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, Megadeth, Peace Sells, but who's buying? Mm. This is this is a more refined band than that which released Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. Um, I mean, we all know that that initial album was released based on a whole lot of venom. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, I think this is. I think the second album was more Dave. Deciding to be Dave and not trying to compete with Metallica, or being or still like being butthurt by getting kicked out. Kind I mean, of thing. I mean, obviously he still was oh, clearly, and, but yeah. still, holy shit, that is it's fucking true. What? 
I did discography for Marilyn Manson here. Portrait of American Family, 1994, and then Antichrist Superstar is his second fucking record. Yeah. Blows your mind. Yep. Now I'm just going to... I just want to see something here. What they considered fucking... Oh, Smells Like, Ch- uh, Smells like Children was considered an EP. Really? Yes. Interesting. It was considered an E fucking P. Weird. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was just uh, since we're since we were just talking about Megadeth and 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 what they what they were stemming from. Uh-huh. Metallica, Ride the Lightning. Obvious. 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 Yeah. I mean, just for songwriting alone. Yeah. I mean, they just took it up another fucking notch when it comes to songwriting. Yeah. You know, and sound. Like, they, yeah, definitely yeah. avoid all sorts of slump on that one. Absolutely. Although some people tell you that they haven't released a good album since Kill Em All, but those figure, those fuckers are just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. Um, this one's more me. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, Shout at the Devil is a friggin' phenomenal album. Um, I think that you need to own it. Um, like you personally need to. Own yeah, it. <laughs> I, I you looked at me. Yeah, I mean. yeah, you personally need to own it. Is it is a great record. Well, my birthday is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I already I already know what I'm doing for your birthday. So. I was gonna say like the the mating ticket that you already paid for could cover my birthday. That'd be great, dude. Don't ruin my plans. Okay, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shout of the Devil uh, is a phenomenal record. Um, obviously, the title track, Looks to Kill, um, Too Young to Fall in Love, um, Helter, the cover of Helter Skelter. I was going to say, this is, like we talked about before, this is the first album that people think about when you think about Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, and this is, this is when, this is them at their heaviest. Before they, before they became radio-friendly, but they were, they were less raw and more... And more refined, better uh, songwriting. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with second albums. Like, um, like if if you get some initial fame from your first album, um, and then you take it up a notch with your songwriting ability, your second album is going to be very good. But then you get those bands that are humongous off that first record, mm-hmm. like the Planets Align. They wrote amazing songs, but then they they just suck at songwriting on the second one. Mm. That I think that has to do a lot with that, and that has to do a lot with maturity. I think you know a lot of bands we were talking about. Their first one was so raw, so in your face, so blah 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 blah. That when they got a little bit of fame, they they kind of took a step back, looked at it, and they they wrote better songs. Yeah. Um, Motorhead, Overkill. Um. I don't know enough about the Motorhead discography to be able to compare one to two. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was Well, not, not even compare one to two, but just talk about the album itself. Yeah, true. Um, I know the title track is is a classic. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know enough about Motorhead as far as their discography. Like I, yeah, is, I don't have enough of their, their honest to God records. I have a, a collection. Yeah, it's, so. it's, 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 it's quite extensive, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral. Oh, oh, man. 
I mean, again, we're getting off topic here because I'm going. I always go more towards personal because I I love fucking pretty hate machine. But we're talking about avoiding the sophomore slump. Most certainly avoided the sophomore slump. Yeah. Again, better songwriting, better sounds, and just the overall appeal of the song closer fucking stole the show. I feel like more songs from Pretty Hate Machine are are hits, are, are known, but people, if you if you say Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral is what comes up. Yeah, it's the, it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's closer, and it's also even hurt. Also, yeah. be, because of, of the crossover appeal of the Johnny Cash cover, people who don't even listen to Nine Inch Nails, when they hear the name Nine Inch Nails, they think of that. Yeah. So... Nirvana, never mind. Most certainly. Yeah. Avoid all sorts of fucking sophomore slump. Again, Obviously. songwriting, sound, everything about it. Yeah. Although my favorite record still is Bleach. Yeah. I still love that fucking record. Never, you can't deny the 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 fucking cultural phenomenon that was Nevermind. I I have said it many many times that I think that Nirvana is absolutely overrated and whatnot, but I can still put on Nevermind and and recall every track. Yeah. So it had it, yeah the, there there's no comparison. Of course that was avoiding the sophomore slump. Yeah. Um, we were actually talking about this before. Ozzy Osbourne, Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman, I think, is a better album than Blizzard of Oz. For even real? though Blizzard of Oz is the more well-known of the two, I think they were a better band uh, yeah. for Diary Again, of a Madman. Songwriting. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the second album with Randy Rhodes, right? Yeah. And this is also the um, the second album post-Sabbath. You know, again, he, it's a, kind of that same vibe as uh, the second Megadeth record. Like, you know, yeah. the first one was like, you know, fuck you, Sabbath, I can do this too. This one is like, all right, now I am Ozzy Osbourne. Well, it was it was more about, like, I feel like the first album was a little bit more about picking up the pieces, and this is about putting those pieces in motion. Yeah. And I, like, there's not a bad track on this album. No. So. Uh, especially this title track. Yeah. <laughs> title track, Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with this album, so I can't really say much, but uh, Queens of the Stone Age, rated R. I'm not very familiar. I really didn't start getting into Queens of the Stone Age until uh, Songs, Songs of the, of the Death, which I love, yeah. but I, I really can't speak to anything before that. Yeah. Uh, same here, actually. So I, I, don't even, I don't even own this album yet, so working on that. Uh, Rainbow Rising. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> you, are you going to try and insinuate that anything that Rainbow did with Ryan James Dio was bad? <laughs> what? I mean, this is one of those albums. This, is, this album was six songs long, and it was amazing from start to finish. Yeah, Stargazer alone. Okay. Yeah. Even the ones that that like are less memorable are still good. Yeah. There's no fuck, dude. I love that fucking record. It's 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 better. It's even better than the first one. Yeah. For sure. Uh, from start to finish, fantastic. That album. is just a band of really talented people hitting their fucking stride. Um. Here's one I'm not keen on. Slipknot, Iowa. <sighs> I, I, you know I, what? The thing is, like at the time, at the time it came out, I did not particularly like it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I had to listen to it a couple times afterwards, and of course, I love it now. And the thing is, a lot of people consider that to be the band's heaviest fucking record. This is the one, like, it was even heavier than self-titled. It was more in your face. It was more raw. It was more, uh, like, uh, abrasive. Yeah. You know, and I, I think. You know, this is where they kind of solidify themselves as a heavy metal band, not just a fucking new metal band because they had a lot of the, the rap rock and um, in on the self titled one, but this one was more ex- almost like a, almost a, an extreme version of Slipknot, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, again, I like it more now than I did when it first came out, but so I can see where they where they where they come with that. I can see that. You know. Yeah, actually, it says oftentimes metal bands make missteps after a successful first album, assuming the best way to follow things up is to water down their sound for a wider audience. Slipknot saw right past this flaw, and for their second record, they would go and release Iowa, arguably their heaviest and most aggressive album of all time. Exactly what I just said. And apparently, one of the things I read about the new record coming out today is that this is their best record in 15 years, so it's probably going to be the best record since Iowa. So if it sounds anything like Iowa, with some of the stuff mixed in from, like, Volume 3 and fucking Chapter 4, we should be in for a very, very good record. I heard just a little bit of it this morning. As I was leaving work, one of the guys was listening to it on his phone. And just from the first track to the second track, I was already into it. There was a lot of head bopping. There was a lot of stuff I was liking about it. It's going to be really good to be able to listen to it in my car and on my headphones. Mm. <clears throat> um, I don't have much to say about this one or much of anything at all. Uh, Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream. I'm not very familiar with the, whatever their first album would be because I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But Siamese Dream was a huge record for them. Again, probably songwriting. Having to do a lot with songwriting. Um there's still songs from that record that are played today on the radio. I mean, think about what you will about Smashing Pumpkins. They were a huge fucking band. Yeah. You know, and probably for good reason. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say. So, um, Stone Temple Pilots, Purple. Yes! Purple was a superior album to, um... I'm, I wouldn't say superior. Better uh, songwriting, more accessible, more radio-friendly hits. And definitely avoid the sophomore slump, but I will always listen to that first record and enjoy it more. I I I feel that Purple was superior. I love um, Dead and Loaded. Just that opening track. I, I, I just love that first record. Yeah. Um, System of a Down, doc, Toxicity. Most uh, certainly. Considering it's still on the chart, on the hard rock charts. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we just talked about it. That um, and the fact that, you know, when... Even like people who are not particularly who might not be fans of System of Down, the first thing that people think of when they hear System of Down is Chop Suey. Yeah, and that's of course this leading single from fucking Toxicity. Mm-hmm. You know that was a huge record. Again, better songwriting, better sound. You know, like conscious effort to make better songs. Yeah, and it shined through yeah. on that record. It, it's it, again, it was a more refined band. Um, Actually, I listened to the, the debut recently, and it's it's kind of a hard listen. I mean, I, I love the debut, but it is a little scatterbrained. It's a little all over the place. There's, yeah. like, no common, like, theme, like, sound-wise or whatever. Like, there, there was 
just too much inconsistency. Yeah. You know, they were a little all over the place. They were trying to, I, it sounds like they were trying to find who they were yeah. as a band. Yeah. Toxicity took all of that and just made it monstrous. Yeah. And here is the final one, Tool, Anima. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't particularly like the band, but that album, you and I listened to endlessly playing the next Tetris. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we did. So, And I remember I stole it from you for a while because I didn't have it. Um, so, I mean, obviously that avoided all sorts of sophomore slump. To go from undertow to that? I mean, come on. So that was the 33 albums that debunk the sophomore slump. Um, most what's of which, missing? Uh, what's missing? What's missing? What's missing? Uh, my initial thought, my initial thought was to throw Pantera on there, but if you watch our 10-word reviews, you know that Vulgar Display of Power was the band's sixth record, not their second record. That's true. Um, I'm going to say ACDC, Dirty Deeds. Mm, okay. I'm pretty sure that that is their second album. Um, I'm not sure which one. Actually, I'm not too sure which one is their their first. Like, I know that High Voltage uh, slash TNT is their their first. It's, it's a matter of where it was released. That's the issue. Oh, okay. Uh, because I... Th- think in some cases let there be rock is considered their second album um but i'm fairly certain that dirty deeds was was supposed to be the second album um and that album is great that is some great hard rock um i'm gonna go with seven dust home yes definitely debunks the sophomore slump mm-hmm. uh like I, I need to like look at my CDs to like to be able to visualize this for myself. Aerosmith, get your wings. Eels. Yes. Um, Eels. Get your get your wings was definitely a great album from start to finish. Uh, contains some of my favorite of uh, their catalog. Lord of the Thighs, in particular. I think also Train After Rollins on there. I think so too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, okay, like now that I'm thinking about it. I'm 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 running through my my CD collection in my head, uh, trying to trying to think of it. Um, what? I'm I, I can't I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, I would probably have to say I'd have to look it up. Oh, sure uh, S- Symphony X Damnation game. Animation as far, as far as quality of songs, they they definitely improved uh, after an, a single album. Um, their their first album was with a different singer, and it was them kind of finding their their place. Uh, Damnation game kind of hit home. So, just double checking. Ah, what? yes, okay. Tesseract, their second album, Altered State, was definitely avoiding any kind of sophomore slump. But actually, I think that was the album, at least for me, that got me very much into them. And like th- that album was almost like a perf- like perfection as far as songwriting and whatnot goes. And again, just like you were saying, this is a band, this is an album that featured a new singer. 
So they replaced their old singer. They got a new one. Um, and, again, avoided all sorts of sophomore slump as far as I'm concerned. Um, Nightwish? Oceanborn? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, uh, we said in, in the – I said in, in the uh, ten-word reviews for Nightwish that I believe that this is possibly their best album ever overall, over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has so many great tracks to it. Um, and it's kind of before they, they went a little bit more radio-friendly, so it still has a little bit of heaviness, a little bit more raw than than anything else. But, you know, it's not... Uh, that that first album, like, the, the male vocals were pretty jarring. Right. Yeah. So... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So... Um... Um, Opeth, Morning Rise, is a their second record, Void of the Sophomore Slump. I'm uh, not as familiar with, with their early catalog. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I was trying to look up what I wrote in my 10-word review, but I remember I wrote it down by hand. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I remember saying that, um, you know, Orchid was a little all over the place. This Morning Rise took it and kind of gave it direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still the same style. Uh, but again, focus, better songwriting, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, definitely up there as far as avoiding sophomore slumps. Damn, I cannot wait for that album. <laughs> what album? The new, the new uh, Opeth record. Oh. Um, I listened to one of the songs on vacation in both versions, Swedish and uh, English, and it, it's just. I just love the fact that also on their 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 Wikipedia page here no longer referred to as a like a death metal band. They are a Swedish Swedish based progressive metal band. I fucking love it. <laughs> Very nice. Fucking love it. All right. Okay. Other discographies. Yeah, it's a little hard to. Yeah, without visualizing it. Yeah. You know, like again, I'd have to go through my catalog, my my CDs one by one. Again, a lot of this would also be personal preference. I think uh, so too. I would say, you know, like I mean, the, the, the second, like, second, yeah. second Blaze Bailey album, I think is is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it, it comes down to. A I lot mean, some of, of the bands that we talked about on the on on that list are very much more commercial bands and not so much underground bands, where like the the success of the album financially was probably more along the lines of of what they were thinking of yeah. as avoiding the sophomore slump. You know. Yeah. Uh, you could say the same thing for um, Iced Earth. True. Yeah. yeah. Night, Night of the Storm Rider, a, oh, yeah. a, a, a uh, concept album as their second one. Um, definitely took everything that they had in the first album and kicked it up a notch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, again, I think we're I think we're getting to the point of personal preference here. Yeah. Instead of looking at it as a whole, and like yeah. you know. So I think we'll call it there then. It's not a bad idea. Um, because Warrior needs food. I actually need food badly. Yes, I do too. So, uh, until next time, I'm Dan Mack, and this is Chris Mack, and we are the Slime.